I remember the first church that we worked uh, with in Oklahoma, Robin and I, they were very focused on uh, some mission work in Mexico, specifically the Yucatan Peninsula. And so for several years, we would go down every summer and we would host a gospel meeting with local churches in different small towns and villages, along with a medical mission. And Robin and I were blessed to, we were trained to fit eyeglasses. And so we partnered with the local Lions Club uh, there in the town we lived in who collected the eyeglasses for us. And toward the end of the year before we left, we would measure all those, we would label them, pack them, and ready to go. And so we would uh, contact the, the church down there, we would show up, and in the evening we'd do a gospel meeting, and in the daytime hours we would attend to all their physical needs as best we could. Every single morning uh, the town or the village would light up, and they would be there long before we ever showed up at the building, and it was always a uh, fair, fairly small uh, cinder block building, no glass in the windows. Uh, we would unchain the door, open it up, and each of us would go to our respective places. There was a, a spot to get your teeth looked at, maybe a place for a physical exam. Uh, and then, of course, Robert and I had the, the eyeglass shop, if you will. And so we would lay all the glasses out. And I remember this one summer, 1998, Robert and I were there, and this uh, lady came up. She was just petite and tiny, probably about close to 90 years old, had cataracts, and uh, wanted to see better, of course. And so we sat her in the chair. She didn't know English very well, and Robert and I had learned just a few phrases uh, in uh, Spanish that we still use to this day, mas claro, we can say that, that's very good. Um, so uh, for those, is this clear? That's kind of what that means. So we would try these glasses on this lady, and uh, she would, this is kind of a, her language right here, no, that doesn't, doesn't work. We went through almost all the pairs of glasses until we finally got to the, the thickest pair of glasses we had. No kidding, these were Coke bottles. They were, they were really thick. We put those on her, and she took them off and looked at the side and put them back on, took them off, put them back on, and she kind of agreed that these just might work. And so we were happy to help her out. We kind of sent her on her way and welcomed the next customer in. But I watched her walk over to a window, and she looked out. She was just this sweet, small, petite thing, and within 30 seconds, she was back in our area, and tears were streaming down her face. We had opened up the world for her to see again, and she was thanking us for allowing her to have vision back again. You know, that's so true for us in our own life, isn't it? I mean, when, when our vision gets clarified, what was unclear now becomes very clear. And so this year, that's what we want to lean into with our theme, Better Together. It is understanding the vision God has for us in our life to be different people, to be light in the world around us in this very dark world that's going through turmoil right now. You and I get to be Jesus and light to all those we come in contact with every single day. Well, what a, what a privilege and joy that is of leaning into this idea that we are better with Jesus Christ in our life. Amen. I mean, we're the best version of ourselves we possibly could be when we have Jesus in our life. That's the bottom line. And not only that, but I'm better when you're with me as well. And so whether you're here in this room or maybe joining us online, the family of God is powerful because we have the Holy Spirit living amongst us and in us. And so we're better together with Jesus Christ and better together with each other on the journey. And so we're going to lean into, over the next six weeks, pulling lessons from the book of Acts in our New Testament. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab that. Our texts are going to be on the screen uh, as well. 
But we want to unpack this idea of what does it mean to live out life better together, how we're called in Christ Jesus, how God's called us to live as witnesses in the world around us. Luke is the writer of Acts, and Luke is a doctor, but he's also a Gentile, and he's somewhat of a gatherer of information. So Luke writes Acts, but he also writes the Gospel of Luke that we have in our New Testaments, and it's kind of a one-two punch. So he does all the investigation and discovers who Jesus was and the life that he lived. He writes all that down in the gospel that we have. Then when the church launches, he begins writing that history as well for all of us to see what that first century church looked like, how they lived life together, etc. And so it's this one-two punch Luke acts that really kind of go together as one complementary one complimentary book. Most, most scholars out there believe that Acts was probably written between 70 AD and 100 AD. And so there's no question that Luke would have been able to sit down and talk to people who actually were with Jesus, people who were chained by Jesus, what he taught, what he said, the miracles that they witnessed. And so sitting down and writing all of those eyewitness accounts down is so important for us today, 2,000 years later, because we get to see what that first century church looked like. You know, sometimes in our life, though, as we interact with those around us, whether they're believers or non-believers, we get asked the question, what is Christianity? What is the idea of this witness of this good news, this gospel? What is that? And the, the, the answers are various and sundry. You hear messages like, well, it's inclusive. Everybody's welcome to the table. It is all about love. It's about forgiveness and, and offering grace and mercy to those who have wronged us. It's about treating other people the way we want to be treated. And while all of that is important in kingdom work and the kingdom message that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ, that's not the core message of Christianity. And I'm going to propose that Luke tells us what that is in chapter 1 of Acts. He gives us four foundational ideas of what Christianity is really all about. So let's get to our text this morning, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. During the 40 days after Jesus' crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Now, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? I want to stop there for just a minute. I find that we are sometimes too hard on ourselves. So the folks that are with Jesus, who have watched all the miracles, who have heard the teaching and the preaching, who were there when he was resurrected, who witnessed his life after his death, still don't get it. They're asking the same question, God, Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom of, of Israel? Like it was when King David was here. So don't be so hard on yourself. He continues verse 7. He says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but... He, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? 
Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. And so Luke tells us the answer to the question, what is Christianity? What is the good news, the gospel message? And it's four-pronged. It says, he says that Jesus suffered because we do wrong, that Jesus proved in multiple ways and times that he was alive and risen. His message was about the kingdom of God that we talked all year last year about. And finally, that Jesus ascended into heaven. Paul reiterates this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as well. But that is the gospel message, that Jesus died for us, that he rose from the grave, that he ascended into heaven and he reigns with God on high at the right hand of God. And his entire message was about becoming kingdom people. That's the gospel message in a nutshell. Jesus changes us to become more kingdom-minded and to think like he thought. And we see that lived out in the gospel accounts of how Jesus lived in this world. It's so important that we recognize who we're called to be and why we have been called. You see, our vision changes when what was unclear now becomes clear. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we've been called to be witnesses of that good news every single day of our life. Not just on Sunday morning when we get together, not just uh, at Christmas time or at Easter, but every single day we're called to live that out amongst ourselves. We're better with Jesus Christ in our life and we're better together on the journey. So the challenge this year is that you and I would have a fresh perspective on how we live for the cause of Christ. But I think if we're going to get there, we have to embrace two specific texts that really challenge us and move us in the direction that Jesus wants us to live out. That first text is found at the very end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus is with his disciples. It's right before he ascends into heaven. And he's got some important things to tell him, which I think also uh, pass on to us as his disciples. Jesus says in chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 18, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Two things that we learn that Jesus tells us in this moment as he's talking to the disciples, he says, number one, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, Jesus doesn't answer to anybody. And he lives with us every single day. That's the second thing. He'll never leave you. He'll always be with you. He'll he'll always journey with you. He has all authority and he'll never leave us. We think about the idea of that mission to go, which is what he's commanded us to do as his disciples. And it seems very global. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we just read a few moments ago, you're going to start in Jerusalem, but it's going to go to the ends of the earth. Everybody should know and be witness to about the story of Jesus Christ. We understand that it's a global thing, but it starts right where you are. It's a personal relationship with those around you where you get to share the story of Jesus. The easiest place to start is in your own home, on your street, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, that's where the go begins on our journey as people of God. 
The second text that we've got to embrace if we're really going to be disciples of Christ and move into this is one you're going to be very familiar with. It's found in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus gets kind of, well, somebody tries to back him up against the wall and ask a difficult question. What does it mean to follow God? How do I live that righteous life? What does that look like to to me? And so Jesus answers the question, Matthew 22, beginning in verse 37. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the commands or demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So we're challenged to go into all the world, loving God, making him the priority in our life, and loving other people like we love ourselves. Those are the two texts that we have to embrace if we're truly going to live out the discipleship that God's called us into through his son, Jesus Christ. The mission is to go this year. Church, we're better with Jesus Christ in our life. You agree? Thank you. You're awake. All right. Um, We're better with Jesus Christ in our life and we're better together as a group, as a family. We don't journey alone. We're not isolated. We do great things and we'll do great things for God. I want to give you three questions to ask yourself personally in your own life. And when you answer these, you're going to have kind of the impetus or the starting point for you to go out into the world as we begin this first Sunday in 2022. And that first question to ask yourself is who lives with you? Who lives with you? You For some of us, we have people in our life that we're super in love with, super close to, who are not believers in Jesus Christ. And our call is to think about those people that you have the most influence with and pull them into the story of Jesus Christ so that they understand what he means to you and how he's changed your life for the better. The great example of that is found in John chapter 1 when Andrew is following John the Baptist. He's actually one of John the Baptist's disciples. And John says, listen, you don't need to follow me anymore. You see that guy over there? That's Jesus of Nazareth. That is the Messiah. He's the chosen one of God. You need to go follow him. And so Andrew leaves John the Baptist and begins to follow Jesus Christ. And once discovering that he is the Messiah, what's the first thing he he does? In verse 40 of John 1, he goes home and he gets his brother Simon, who Jesus will rename Peter. And Peter will become a foundation of the church as it kicks off and begins. But who does Andrew see first? He goes to get the person that he loves the most, that he's been raised with, a family member, to invite him into the story of Jesus Christ. Who lives with you is the question. Sometimes our best friends and our family are the toughest people to have that spiritual conversation with, isn't it? Because you're always 18 in your hometown. Raise your hand if you believe that. Yeah, most of us in here, I believe that certainly. Uh, because they know you back when. They remember when you were talking like a certain way and living a certain way and out on Friday night, and they remember you from high school, and the list goes on. And now you're trying to talk to them about Jesus? Mm, I'm not so sure. It's kind of interesting. I meet some of your close friends and family that come here to visit at times, and I know you and how awesome you are living out the story of God. And I meet them out here in the commons for the first time, and when I make the final connection, oh, you're related to, oh, you know. And they kind of say, uh, and then I end up saying something like, I bet you've got some stories you could tell me. And they end up chuckling and putting their head down and walking away because you're always 18 in your hometown. 
They know some things about you, and they're not exactly sure how that conversation will go. I've got people in my own family that I'm very close to. And I lean into them when we're together, and I just remind them gently how awesome Jesus Christ truly is and how he will change your life for the better, how he will make you a different person, make you the very best image of yourself that you possibly could be. Because what what does Jesus say in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? We read it just a few moments ago. He says to the disciples, you're going to be my witness, but you're going to start in Jerusalem. You're going to move out to Judea, then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. But Jesus says you're going to start where you're planted. That's where your business is. That's where your family is. That's where your close friends are. That's where your home is. Start there. And so that's the challenge to us today is to answer that question, who lives with you? And what does that call you to do in your own life as you meet out how we're called to be disciples and be witnesses to those around us? I mean, what is a witness after all? It's just someone who retells a story. God's power in you is what helps you tell the story. And some of us sit back and we think, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not, a, I'm not a good storyteller. I can't really talk much about theology and the Bible. You're just telling the story about how Jesus changed your life. All of us can do that. I mean, I know for a fact, I feel so blessed and humbled to be the guy that brings the message every Sunday morning. But I know on my own, I can't do that. That's God working in me. I, I couldn't do it on my own. It's not possible. And he will do the same in your life as well. Some of us in our own families have prodigal children who are far away. Some of us have spouses who've not bought in to the faith journey with you as well. Though those dear people that we live life with, some of the people that we're most in love with, and yet strangely, they're the most difficult people to have a conversation with about Jesus. And I know that some of you are here this morning thinking through that process and your call to be a witness to people in your family. And maybe you're joining us online and feeling that same way. And you're thinking this morning, you know, Tim, I hear you. I I hear you read the text. I know what we're called to do, but but you don't know my grandpa. Or you really don't know my dad. Or maybe you're a parent who has adult children and you're thinking, you know, the window of time that I have with my kids at home is so small I don't want to do anything to rock the boat or push them away or make it where they don't want to come back again. So we just don't talk about Jesus when they come home. I want to encourage you this morning to not underestimate the power of God. Andrew Murray, who was a pastor and author in the late 1800s, said it like this. Beware of your prayers above everything of limiting God. Church, don't believe for a second that God cannot change people. And he will do it through your witness and your life. He will do anything to bring someone back to him. He gave his son for each and every one of us. Who lives with you is the challenge. And secondly, who lives near you? We're talking about those in proximity to you. So maybe in your cul-de-sac or on your street, in your neighborhood, Even the family right here at Cross Point, we live in different locations, but when we come back together, these folks are your neighbors as well. And there are lots of opportunities to plug into ministry right here at Cross Point and help tell that story, witness to those who are here. 
about who Jesus is to you. That might be back in our kids' ministry, teaching a Bible class on Sunday morning. It might be joining a small group and leading a small group in our youth group. It could be being here for Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday evenings, every Tuesday evening, to reveal how Jesus has changed your life. Maybe it's being a part of our welcoming team out here in the commons or joining the praise team on stage. There are lots of ways that you can, in this community, tell the story of Jesus Christ. We get plugged in. All the data out there shows us that today that you and I have more relationships than we've ever had in the history of humankind. Social media has helped us accomplish that. And many of us, if we were to pull up collectively all of our social media platforms, we have hundreds of friends, maybe even thousands of friends, but there's only a fraction of those that we actually have a real relationship with. And it all started, that slide began back in the 80s, the 1980s, for those of us that remember that decade. It's a great decade, by the way. When the housing industry began changing the way houses were built, we lost the front porch and it went to the backyard and we put a fence around the backyard. So you couldn't see me and I couldn't see you and we were all just happy to be away from each other, right? And then the invention of the, the remote control. So we got home from work, we raised the garage door, we pulled our car into our home, we closed the door. I didn't even have to talk to anybody get home, park the car, run in on that social media account and see who liked my, my lunch picture on social media, my pic. You know, who, how, many, how many of my friends liked that picture of that sandwich? But church, we don't make time for other people, do we? We don't think about the people that are near us who, who desperately need Jesus. We've got to find a way to get out of our our personal space mindset so that we can plug into those around us and share how incredible a savior in Jesus we have. It's so important, especially today. You know, a few months ago, Cale did a series on neighboring and kind of convicted us and pushed us to get to know the, the names of our neighbors that lived around us. I don't know how many of you bought into that and, and did that. I know that I've got some great neighbors and I've got a, a, a guy that's a friend across the fence. He originally is from Vietnam. His name is Hong, and we do the Tim Allen thing. We kind of talk over the fence like this, you know. Um, so I don't know what he actually looks like, just this part of his head. No, I'm kidding. But we talk about uh, trees and plantings and what's going on in the yard, and we just get to know each other that way. I've got friends who borrow power tools. I've got, I've got a neighbor who's borrowed my pickup truck. We talk in the driveway. We exchange food recipes. We talk in the, in the street at the mailbox. I mean, I've got great neighbors who, who I enjoy getting to know, and I would challenge you to be that kind of neighbor, that you want to get out and meet those people that live around you. You know, Eric Hoffer said this, and it's sometimes difficult to say, but it's so true. It is easier to love humanity as a whole than to love one's neighbor. I love the world and I want the best for them, but it really doesn't prompt me to do much of anything, does it? But now if I focus on my neighbor, I'm the one who's the neighbor. I've got to get out and meet. I've got to serve. I've got to make, make them feel welcome, show Jesus to them. And that's the kind of atmosphere we want to present in our homes, in our workspaces, at this church that is a welcoming place. I mean, that's how Jesus lived life, right? Luke, who we're talking about, who wrote Acts, in his gospel, he reminds us 
of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He was an evangelist. But how did he do that? Because if you go all the way back to Luke chapter 7, it says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus served other people in everyday life. He just got to know people. And he was a magnet. He pulled them in to remind them how God loved and cared for them. That's the kind of ministry that you and I should be desiring to have this year. That we feel called to go and be a witness to those around us. And again, you and I aren't going to do that on our own, which really answers the last question, which is who lives in you? Who lives in you? Last year, we had 13 people who gave their life to Jesus Christ and were baptized into Jesus. 13 people. I wish it was 300. I really do. But 13 people said, I want my life to be totally different. And maybe that's you here today. Maybe you haven't made that decision because I know so many of us here in this room watching online absolutely would say that Jesus is foundational for you. He's changed your life, but you just haven't taken the next step of wanting to put him on in baptism, having your sins washed away with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, ready for him to change your life as you move forward in life. Jesus takes residency up in our life in those moments when we say yes to him. One of Paul's greatest letters was the letter to the church in Rome. And it is 16 chapters of him telling us why we need Jesus and then how Jesus changes our life. And one of those pivotal chapters in that letter is chapter 8. And if you are a follower of Christ, you should be well-versed with chapter 8. You should almost have it memorized. It's an important book, an important chapter. But he says something in it that reminds us of this, this very idea that God dwells within us. And we tend to glaze over that. But I, I want to stop and park here for just a minute. But in chapter 8 and verse 11, Paul says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. Now, Jesus was killed by professional killers. They knew when they did the job, that person was dead and not coming back. So they killed Jesus on a cross. They took him down. They placed him in a tomb, a dead body, for three days. But church, we serve the kind of God who is so powerful that not even death can relinquish and let him in. Because Jesus was raised through the power of God. That lifeless body now has life. It was raised. So many people saw Jesus after his resurrection, and now he reigns at the right hand of God. He is our King of kings and Lord of lords. But what Paul is trying to tell us is that same power that raised a dead body back to life is the same power that lives in you. You and I have the awesome ability, not in our own power, but the power of God to retell the story of Jesus Christ all the time. We have the ability to move forward no matter what the world throws at us because, church, the power of God lives within you. And this year, if you and I make the decision to take Jesus at his word, that he'll always be with us, and the challenge to go and be a witness for Jesus Christ in your workplaces, in your homes, on your streets, in this congregation, 
or wherever your congregation might be if you're watching us online. I mean, our life will be so different. Imagine if all of us took that to heart. What if all of us made a decision to be lights in the communities in which we find ourselves? Here's what would happen. The world would be a different place because Jesus would be seen by so many people who desperately need him in their life. Jesus said this is what the change would look like as he's in that upper room in John chapter 13. He he knows what's ahead of him. The disciples have no idea what's coming. Jesus knows he's about to be on a cross not too many hours in the future. And so he tells them something important knowing that they're going to be the foundation of the church that's going to launch that we still celebrate and share today, 2,000 years later. And Jesus says... In chapter 13 and verse 34, now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, when we make a decision to be a witness, it calls for us to have a life change, to be different people. And that means that we're going to have to to throw away the the script that the world's given us, go hide in your house, hunker down, be scared of everyone, and really open up and be light to those we come in contact with, whether that's in your workplace, your family, your friend group, at the grocery stores you're standing in line, at the bank, when you're frustrated, traffic, wherever it might be, we're called to go and be witnesses for Christ. And know that as you do that, We are better together because Jesus lives within us. And I'm not alone in the journey because you're with me. We can do this, church. We can live differently this year, but you've got to make a decision to let Christ in. And so as we sing this next song, our shepherds will be gathered along the wall of this room with their wives. And for some of us, we may just need a a prayer, a reminder that God is with me. That no matter what the chaos might be in my life right now, that God loves you. He's got the best in store for you. He wants the best for you. And so find one of those couples and let them pray for you and over you that you would have wisdom and discernment in the coming year. That you would know how to have those conversations that you need to have with the people you love. And that you would allow God to change your life to be different than you've ever been before. It's our opportunity to be the light of the world. Let's do that together. Let's stand with one voice now and sing praises to his holy name.